From the Lucha Podcast Network, this is the Mass Startup Podcast. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build the things that you believe in. Call me, you know, Mr. Corner you tend to be a sneaker coast, new sneaker coast, you know, Mr. The Inevitable, because you can't fight the vision. That's an amazing intro. How important is where you're from to who you are? Where I'm from to who I am, it's like, it's, a, it's an encyclopedia. Do people remember those? It's an encyclopedia. I uh, know. I didn't think you were young enough to even know that. So. <laughs> I was poor enough to know that. <laughs> I don't think so. Rich people had, like, b- rich black people had encyclopedias. I think and they had all of them, right? Like, you had editions. I think... Also, like, you only have access to a computer at school. You don't have access to a computer yeah, yeah, yeah. at home. So you have an encyclopedia at home because yeah. that's the original Google. So my past, where I'm from, my life experiences are my encyclopedia. The things I tell, you know, yeah. to make the greater vision because I barely live in the present. So bouncing back from the past to elevate the future is it's key. It's probably the only thing that keeps me going because... Mm. I have this theory that as a creative individual, we all hypotheticals. Mm. Nothing is proven. So these are great ideas until I prove them. Yeah. So it might make sense. There's no certainty to it. It's not like science where it's been proven before. There's no analytics on how to blow up on TikTok as yet. Because mm. you can't do the song, you can't do the dance. Doesn't mean it's gonna blow up in your region. Yeah. So the encyclopedia just informs like you that you said the song and dance, because that's mostly what TikTok used to be. I think now it's evolving. I think there's an interesting, like, yo, man, people talk on TikTok. Like, I, I'm, like, very, very interested in this new, like, education. TikTok is visual, education. visual Twitter. Yeah. It's becoming that. I actually missing, I miss the dancers a little bit. A little bit. The dancers made us comfortable. The talking is bringing the production value into it. The talking is key and elevating the human message. Whereas the dancing, we were all, we in packs. It's assembly. We're following instruction. Mm. We know that if we create this thing, these people are going to bounce into it. The dancers were great for the music industry more than anyone mm. because you'd say a catchy phrase and then you'd have your friend play the guitar in the background and then the record label will see it, turn that into a song, flip that, now you're an artist. Yeah. With the biggest numbers. We've seen mad artists are blowing up. All over Do you know what, who I think about when you say this? It's Doja Cat kind of doesn't make sense because Doja Cat's catalog is too long. Now it is. But the first time no. I ever saw it, I ever saw she her. She had like three albums in the bag before TikTok. What? Doja Cat's been out. Like Moo. See, like these are the things. Her album I, when everyone was like. There's a controversial individual who had this really great line. Listen to the kids, bro. <laughs> I only hang out with people younger than me. And like, <laughs> I know there's other. But like, I do think that there is power in you know, and we're not that far apart. Okay, I'd say a bit. Yeah, what, almost what a decade. Was it, six years? Almost a decade. No, that's not I need true. to make you feel older. Nah, nah, nah. So I know I'm, I'm the source. I'm the youth. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> Someone called me a hot man the other day. It was so Damn. unsettling. Oh, no, it's very like, unsettling. Like, I'm truly... A fuck. I'm, yeah. I'm as good as a teenager. I, I think there's a lack of heroes that forces us to make heroes of people that haven't even earned that right. I tweeted that. I have one of the greatest tweets. 
That's a great tweet, then. Like, one of my best tweets. Because I think we're all just, like, trying to cling on to the greatness that we can find. Because there isn't that much. We're knighting people before they go to war. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've been training, but I'm not that. Like, I still have... How many years do I have? I owe the game. Oh, the game, five more years. Mm. And then after five years, I'm going to stop talking to everyone. What do you consider the game to be? Because I do think that you are built in this new format of creators, right? Which is not just that you're building a creative business, but you are the business, right? So, you know, I think maybe it speaks to the power and like the amazing like genius of Jay-Z. That line was grossly misunderstood and like what you can think about it now is what he actually meant was he can be the entity that generates I'm the a revenue. Man. Exactly. I'm not a businessman. Man. I'm, I'm a, a business, business man. Because I do think of you that way and I think of a lot of people this way where it's like you are the entity from which the value is is derived but also where the revenue is generated and you're also measuring the analytics and doing the background work and then you still are showing up in the content and putting together these experiences, stories, and building these communities. Do you, th- do you think of the game as being that or something else? One, we were boxed into these communities. Mm. There's no more youth-orientated shows. And by youth, I mean post-varsity. There's nothing that's purely for us. It's like, if you are not poor in the hood, you can't relate to Moja Love. If you're not... Mm. If you're not successful in this, you can't relate to that. So we had to create our own tier and content. Yeah. And what we're finding right now is that the tier we're creating is too far gone for Africa, let alone South Africa. Like, in, even in Egypt, no one can comprehend what we're all doing and the speed we're doing it at. Because instinctually, I want to start something, so I'm doing something. Mm. And the game to me is then, we're not even playing in South Africa anymore. The analytics we're looking into and the, the speed we're creating at, we're not looking to be bought out by the big media houses like SABC. You who who at, don't really do those deals, right? Like they they don't typically. I think they more so. I think they more so are more excited about finding someone that might have an audience slash community on the on the internet and hiring them to do something that they are building, rather than bringing them in to actually. Co- create a completely new thing innovation is unsettling true and for a lot of corporate structures it makes a lot of people not in void mm. because technically if i can shoot script direct star in the thing what's the point of the whole crew and then now my rate is different because it's like wait the two million that was going to be split amongst the crew of 200 is now turned into two million for lozzy Mm. That doesn't make sense for any structure that's trying to survive. Obviously, these industries don't want that, right? Because you're creating a lot more jobs and you're involving a lot more people in the sort of industry, whatever that might be. What do you think it looks like the other way, where you are one entity that can actually do all of those things? Where you're taking, say, 10 to 20 people's roles and condensing them into, like, one, which is what innovation sort of really speaks to, right? Is can you do something more efficiently, much faster, and a lot cheaper, and be able to distribute very widely without raising costs. YouTube. And that's what YouTube has become. You can create at a fast rate. You can get it. There's no other platform that's free. Mm. There's no other platform that gets your work out at that rate. On YouTube, we upload now. We're live now. 
no matter mm. the duration, no matter what. Once you've uploaded, you're online. And then in terms of costing, people are not even looking for high-quality content. They want human content. Mm. That's the strange dynamic we find ourselves in. Like, no matter how many crazy animals you have, if you're not relatable, no one's watching your shit. Yeah. It don't matter how well-researched, they want a human connection. Like, you can see the likes of a bad example, like Will Smith becoming a YouTuber. No matter how far he climbed, it could never go above Mr. Beast's numbers. Mm. Can never go past Andrew Schultz. No matter how how you go to Dubai, climb the. What are those examples for South Africa, though? Or do you think we are so early right now in this thing that we don't have those figures to look up to and say, okay, here are the top five, and these are the people that maybe everyone else will emulate? Because when you think about Mr. Beast, he's probably and maybe even. MKB MKBHD Yes He's a country on his own Doesn't count anymore (laughs) (laughs) So if you think about Those two guys They influence What happens on the platform Because everyone else Understands Okay these are the guys That set the tone For certain genres Of content Or certain categories Of content Do you think They are South African guys Whether it's One person Or a group Or collective That have enough Of the I don't want to say genius, but like they've built a format that everyone else is now going, oh yeah, that's what South Africa will listen to, watch, or will be engaged in. Yeah, I think so. Like if you look at Sis Google's podcast, it speaks to a specific demo, which Mm. is literally the most undercated for demo in podcasting spheres, which is women talking about women problems and facing life as an adult. Mm in your mid-twenties, right? And then you'll find a McG. McG speaks towards the whole community. But when I say the whole community, it's like people who want a real-life South African experience can enjoy a McG episode mm. because he's reacting to things in real time. But in terms of formatted content, we're still struggling. Mm. I think David Mashabel is finding a nice niche in his content because he's like, okay, I'm bringing the OGs. Mm. And then here yeah, he's building... Is this, there's this weird community on, online that exists which is the most powerful community, in fact, because those are the people to bang power. The, the people who are now entering their late 30s, entering 40s, entering 50s, mm. the only community with bang power in South Africa. Mm. So he has that audience, and that audience is formulated of literally nostalgia and yeah. the fears they have. It's literally fear-driven content. That's the craziest yeah. part, because the fear that certain things will happen and then wanting to know if what she thought as a child, mm. as the reality of things. Mm. So that's what's driving people, even with the content I'm creating. It's more reassurance than it is everyday consumption stuff. Yeah. So when you're watching it, you're like, oh, if MASH got fucked over, then I'll make it through. It's the reassurance. I think the empathy of... In South Africa, the empathy is more powerful than the content. Yeah. So if we can feel that you see us, you experience the same problems as us, that's why you find Moja the numbers are insane because people want to experience things they're seeing. We're not really a demographic that's willing to look outside and the demographic that is willing to look outside is not creating for that. When when you got started, who are the two people that you were looking at and saying, okay, this is what I want to do? But also, maybe before you answer that, you know, where does Sneaker Coast come from? What were you trying to do? And how important was it that you started that and you're building that? Sneaker Coast was, we used to have a sneaker show with Lazzy, Wanda. It was a big crew, essentially. It was mm. just a lot of people. 
but it was called Yes Another Sneaker Show. My role in the show was to purely being the youth who's like, yo, I'm trying to access these things. I can't afford it. You guys are the guys who've been seated these things. You can afford these things. You've modeled for these things, mm. right? So my position in that whole thing was me realizing that, yo, this is turning into a big dick contest because if I don't know a certain shoe, I'm outside the joke. Mm. So I started Sneaker Coast saying, yo, sneaker culture has a bigger audience because everyone wears a shoe. So how are you telling everyday South African stories through sneakers? Mm. So hence our first episode was Fake Sneakers Matter. Because most people are buying fake sneakers, not that they don't know they're fake. It's what's in the price range for the look they're looking for. You get what I'm saying? Mm. If I'm buying off-white, I know it's off-white. Mm. It's not just something I picked up. I know it's off-white. It's a higher grade of a fake. Mm. So for me, creating Sneaker Coast was to tell the South African sneaker story through the everyday landscape, right? And then most importantly, to create a culture of education. I think a lot of stuff we watch, edutainment as a subgenre has fallen off in South Africa. There's never anything you can really take away. It's purely gossip. Like 90% of the content we're consuming is purely gossip. There's no longer like edutainment where I can say, oh, I learned this today. Oh, I learned this today. Yeah, I, th- I think edutainment became niche at yeah. some point. And now it's become like the, you know, you sort of, I sometimes... I heard someone say this about my content. They said it's like eating your vegetables. It's just like I have to do it because I know it's important for me. That's a good one. But it's not necessarily something that I'm consistently going to be able to engage with unless like there's a consistency or a flow that takes me through a learning journey, which is different. And I always thought of my podcast in that way. Where it was like, okay, there's a learning journey. And like I think of the stuff you've done where it's like, wait, this is more of a learning journey. It's not necessarily, okay, we've all arrived Let's all just like speak no. about these things we all enjoy. It's like, no, fake sneakers matter. That makes me, that gives me a context or an education that says, okay, wait, what, what are we talking about here? Like, why do people engage with these products very differently than they, if they just knew more about sneakers and they were educated about it? Yeah. Was that the approach you took? And also like, what's the impact you feel like you've made? Impact in terms of we've created sneaker education in terms of the jobs within sneakers, everyone always thinks about it as like, it's like in the music business. Everyone thinks about it, I have to sing to make it in the music business. Mm. Whereas there's an A&R, someone who has the ear to find someone who sings. There's the marketing department, there's this, there's that. With the show Sneaker Coach, we've deciphered what the sneaker business is because we have an episode with sustainable sneakers and we're talking about what is a sustainable sneaker? Why am I buying a sneaker for the price I'm buying it for? Mm. Like there's so many tiers and dynamics that we face that... It's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's a learning curve. Like, we'll pay homage. We'll still have the jokes because it's still a show. You're supposed to enjoy it, but mm. most importantly, you have to learn something new about the sneaker business. You're not here to learn about the latest sneaker because if you wanted that, you could have watched an unboxing. Mm. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to that type of content because what happens when I don't have the money for the shoe or I don't find the shoe nice? That means we're losing a viewer purely because MASH doesn't like the shoe. Mm. So now our viewers are based on people who want to learn about sneakers. And our core demographic is kids who are literally still in high school learning about these things that they consume so much. We all consume sneakers. And I wanted to make a show that I could watch with my own mother. Mm. I wanted to make a show that you can watch around your girl. You must be able to watch the show because it's a good show. Mm. Like it's been a while since we've watched the show that like, Oh, this is good. I don't, I don't want you to watch the show feeling like you have to know something to enjoy the show. 
the whole point like of the I show. Like I need to be, I need to walk in educators. No, mm. like you, you can come in, come back. It's like I hate to. This is gonna sound vain, but like it's like a church. You come as you are, mm. and we accept you, and then you learn new ways. But to I think it. that's how you build community. If you allow people to go through learning and accepting that, okay. No one's an expert. Let's all go through this thing together. Because the show is purely me asking the questions. Like, there's two alter egos playing on the show. It's the loud guy at the beginning and it's the guy sitting down at the table. Mm. He's trying to, okay, this is what I found. That's why there's always a laptop in front of him. So he's like, oh, so this is what I found. And the guy in the studio is like, what are sustainable shoes? Sustainable what? Like, why would you say shoes are sustainable instead of making less shoes? Mm. That's what that guy asks. And then the guy in the office can be like, yo, we understand there's a demand for shoes, so we're going to keep making shoes, but we're going to find newer ways to make shoes. Mm. And then we're going to talk about things like costing in shoes, what justifies a 3D shoe, like the guy who's been cancelled. Like having a foam shoe automatically is supposed to be cheaper for all of us because there's no lacing, there's no leather, mm. there's no, it's purely 3D. But why is the price not going down? And if the shoe's made out of recycled stuff, why is the price not going down? So those are the questions we're asking and answering. So how has... You know, that experience, you know, building up this community, this core, just like really great content around education and, you know, making sure that there's people that really care about this stuff. How has that influenced what you're creating now? And maybe we can go into like the entire process, you know, to getting this new show up and running. Um, what did that Sneaker Coast experience sort of teach you? And obviously this is an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's doing extremely well. What does that look like for you? Corner Jude and Debeer, the podcast hosted by Lois Madonzella, was literally me looking at Sneaker Coast. There's but so much I can say. There's mm. more to me than sneakers. I'm not the sneaker guy. I'm the guy who's a nerd about shoes, not sneakers. I'm a nerd about shoes. Kunajut and Debeer is tapping into the nerdness, everything I've been inspired. It's literally like my green circle. And I want to say that my close friends, because some people's just hip-hop, you know, you know people on a casual basis, but some people, you do know them on a personal basis. So it's... The people I bring on Corner Jude and De Beer, it's people we've had an eye-opening conversation. I've seen some stuff, they game changes in their sphere. What they do is something they experience is more than anything. Because what you do is always secondary to the show. My core questions will always center around what is this community of Corner Jude and De Beer, which is Brahm, helped you with? Because you don't have to be here to understand that there is culture here, quote unquote. Mm. That there is a Or be influenced of by it. Or be influenced by it. Because when you like my pictures, and I'm here at the studio, like, oh, people in that area dressed this way. Oh, that makes sense because there's this type of community that does this type of work. And I felt like it was time to give flowers to that community because you'll have a podcast about advert, advertising. You'll have a podcast about music, et cetera, et cetera. They cater to their niche, but no one's talking to the multidisciplinary creative. What mm. we're finding right now, especially with the internet, is that you can learn more than one skill, bro. A lot of people picked up four more skills during covid Mm. And that's purely because the more time you spend on something, you'll learn about something else. The minute you become an expert of podcasting, you're an expert of research. Because in order to podcast, you have to have research. And the minute you can research, you can be a journalist. And mm. when you can be a journalist, you can be a producer and, 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 and. And I felt like this as a platform I had to create people before most people graduate. Mm. Some people have graduated, but they just graduated in their master's right now. They're seven years deep in creating. And then there's someone who's in their first year. I think that's a perspective no one talks about because we do have people who are like, yeah, Brahm was like this in 2017, but it's important to also have a caddy whose dream was to DJ at Brahm. 
because mm. his first dream was to DJ Kitchener's and that's how he felt like his acclaim as a DJ counts. And that real life in real time context is very important because there's someone who's sitting right now like, this just accepted me. What am I going to do in Joburg? Because mm. most of us who come to, who go to varsity, you go to varsity with the, I got accepted, but what am I really doing with my life? Mm. And I feel like as a multidisciplinary creative but most importantly, as a multidisciplinary creative entrepreneur, because mm. most of these people, all these people make their living off their creativity. All the money they have is from their creativity because your creativity is what's driving you. And we're trying to bridge the gap for the next year to say, there's hurdles in addressing brand in this way. Being an influencer can't be the end goal. You need to start taking those followers, turn them into actual community, create community sessions, create a thing, build, make fundamentals, brand your stuff. You need to create friend circles mm. that also empower your businesses. These are the conversations we're having. This is the goal we have. And we, we're building a community. We like what business seminars are, but in real time. Mm. We are business seminar with different speakers. And then eventually when we feel like we've done enough episodes, we'll have our own seminar where everyone can interact with everyone they've seen because the whole point of this is to be seen as a creative Creatives deserve to be seen. Their stories deserve to be told because those are hurdles the next generation does not need to go through unknowingly. That's true. Because a lot of things we go through, they were going to be easier to go through if you knew. So 10 episodes in, like, what do you feel like you've learned? Because I do think that, you know, what you're saying is absolutely true. Just like the selection of the guests has been very conscious to people that are multi... Disciplinary creative entrepreneurs. That's a great flipping phrase. We should use that somewhere. <laughs> Stay in the Bible. <laughs> it's a little strap. That's a good one. Creative entrepreneurs. And I do think that this is the next generation of people, right? Like the people that are going to build things that really matter, create things that really matter. The people that are working in organizations and still doing great work. They have this sort of thing about them where it's more than just one thing. Mm. Like I think in more than one way. And the experiences I've had sort of help me find ways to create value in spaces that I go into. And it doesn't matter what those spaces are, right? Like whether it's creating content or sitting, you know, in a brand thing, you know, to, to figure out sponsorships and stuff like that. Being able to navigate all these different worlds seems very common with these guys. Like they're all doing something, something. There's, there's more than one thing. Yeah. What have you learned you know, 10 episodes in, not just about the people that you chose and the lessons that have been shared, but also about yourself. So to answer your question, what I've learned about myself, is something I always knew. I'm really that guy. Most importantly, first and foremost, I'm that guy. Let's not confuse the two, right? Two, my first idea, the first idea is always the greatest idea. Mm. You just got to add inflation to it. Because your first idea is what you saw. That was your vision. Like, mm. I think after 18, you need to start listening to your instincts. <laughs> like, instinct will carry you everywhere. So my first idea was my best idea. I just had to add inflation to it so it makes sense to this context because I had a podcast prior. 10 episodes in, I've learned that sequencing of podcasts is also more important than what is being said in the podcast. Okay. So it's like, you can have MASH, but MASH is a strong, there's more lessons to MASH than you would find in another episode. So you have to mix and match episodes mm. where some keys are not going to relate to everyone. There's people who have human experiences and then there's people who have business experiences, both of which matter. 
So you must be able to know that this is the black, this is the white, and sequence them accordingly mm. so that people get both in a week. Because the whole point of the podcast is to take you, there's days where you don't feel like carrying on. And that's usually a Tuesday because you've had a shit Monday. That's why the podcast drops on a Tuesday morning. Say, yo, wake up. We're getting it, right? Mm. And then you're like, the week is ending, dog. It's a Thursday. I don't feel like being in the office. Then we drop the Thursday episode to remember that there is a goal that you've set for yourself. You need to face that goal. You need to get to the goal. Mm. So what the podcast is for me, it's a great way to also alleviate the things I wasn't sure about. Like mm. now I can, oh, oh, MASH went through that. Oh, in this fear, it also happens. Okay, cool. So when I address one, two, three, I don't need to address it like this. I can get the things that I've always wanted to ask from the, the guests. Because there's a lot of guests we have and I'm like, oh, damn. Actually, I wanted to ask, how did you manage dealing with one, two, three? Because the way South African industry is set up, because it's not funded by the community, our industry is funded by brands. So it's mm. important to communicate with people who do work with brands, people who've worked with brands, people who've shifted what the sphere of working with brands is and also how to create your own company because you're multidisciplinary. If I hire you as a copywriter and you can edit, I will try to exploit that. So rather be your own company. And I feel like these are lessons that most people, they get those things hit them in their 30s, early 30s, that yo, I should do this on my own. And I feel like it's important for me to get it out there to the 19-year-old who's like, I think I should do this, but there's a safety net of me getting a job. Yes, a job is good for you to learn the structure, but in all reality, that structure won't exist in five years because we're an ever-evolving business as creatives. Yeah. NFTs really showed us that. Do you need a gallery show? Yeah. Because, you know, in my head, when you pitched this to me, I was like, there's a gap that this is filling that I don't think anyone else sees, which is, entrepreneurship doesn't look the way everyone assumes it does. It's not a business course. You know what I mean? And there's a, there's, a, there's a perception around what entrepreneurship is versus being a creator versus being, you know, all these different definitions. At the end of the day, it's about creating value. Yeah. What value have you seen, you know, with the guests that you've already sort of, we've released the episodes and versus the ones that are coming out as well? Everyone's creating some kind of value. Is there a thread in how they're thinking about developing or getting to that place where they know what that is? Like, how do I actually create value? How do I actually figure out this is the smart thing to do? This is what I should be learning. This is how I put myself in the right position to exploit certain opportunities. Most people have created their value through community. So mm. essentially, it's like, I'm good at drawing, then... My friends are going to say I'm good at drawing. That affirms me. And then through that, other people want to see my drawings. Other people want to have my drawings. So community is literally how everyone has made their steps in life. Every guest we've had single-handedly, it's always been community. Because you're creating for the community or you're creating inspired by the community. It's literally that thing of art inspires life, but life is also inspired by, by art. Mm. So it's a vice versa thing. But the minute you understand your community and what you're catering for that's when you can take yourself seriously because you also know what the demographic needs. It becomes a very black and white type situation because if we're saying we need a podcast that talks to Gen Zs about business, then there's no other place than Cornetrude and De Beer. Definitely. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't even push back. I mean, as much as there are a lot even of... the charts say it, if you were wondering. <laughs> and they public. You don't have to Google charts. it. Go on your app. <laughs> I don't think people know these charts exist. I think these charts exist for podcasters. 
But it's always good to be able to say to people, hey, you should actually check the top 20 and you'll see me there just like chilling. And I'm only top 20 because of radio. Radio <laughs> drops every day. That's why yeah. they're charting more than us. Not because they're better. Do you think you'll increase the frequency? Because there are very few podcasts that drop twice a week. And the ones that do drop even more than that are the ones that definitely do dominate. But then you've got like an anomaly, like, yeah, a few anomalies that just do one a month and the community just just sustains that. But we're a business podcast. People in business always want to know what's happening in real time. Yes, we're telling human stories. Yeah. And also, we've only been around for five weeks. I know we're 10 episodes in, but we've only been around for five weeks. That always must be taken into consideration. To most listeners, they still understanding who we are. They're still developing that thing of that, oh, 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 this is home. Mm. This is where we were supposed to be the whole time. And that's what the platform is. We're very gradual with it. We're not rushing. Next year, February, we're going to be chilling on your top five every day. That's also understanding that we're playing the long game. Yes, we have a high frequency, but this is not a misstep frequency. We knew what we were doing when we were doing it. Mm. We were planning this. The people we're doing it for, they're receiving it and they're understanding it daily. And we see these are real life interactions. We can't make this up. Like the numbers are translating both on visual and audio. Mm. I always think that creators get stuck into this number conversation. And if you let it affect you enough, it can almost like be the thing that discourages you from keeping on going. Yeah. But when you have a vision like what this was, which is more impact than it is numbers. How do you measure whether or not you're doing well? Because the impact is hard to measure in this situation. And it does go back to community, which I believe like everyone should be building a community slow. If you're building a community fast, it's not a community, it's usually an audience. And that audience will drop off and what your actual community is will show itself at the end. And especially when you're failing, that's when you'll really know who like was there. <laughs> Before that, you think you know, but <laughs> how do we measure impact? Real life experiences. We get to the point where there's handles, you know, both on YouTube and on social media. There's handles, you know, like this is a returning. Like when you don't get their retweet, you're like, what's up with that? <laughs> like it's like, a, is my homie okay? Is everything fine? Is everything fine? Why are they not online? What's happening? Mm. You know, because every day, there's like, it's like a, it's a weird metric. Worst case scenario, you're getting 10 new followers. Mm. They're not following you because of fit pics. They're following you because of the podcast. And remember, in you getting followers, you're also losing followers. The core audience was coming for you, the person. But now the new audience has come for you, the broadcaster. And I put it out. Like, I remember we had a conversation with Masanobi. He was like, there truly needs to be one thing that you stand for. As good as you are at everything else. And I was like, I'm a broadcaster. Like, mm. I'm living up to my name, Kamalamu Loazi, and I'm approaching life with knowledge to put knowledge into others and to expose others to more knowledge. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but I do have enough to know that others have more than me. Mm. And we're measuring impact because we're having people coming back saying, yo, this is what I learned. You'll see them on the YouTube comments. So, so, so measuring impact through the growth of community. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, that's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> what big bucks? You got the English. <laughs> Building impact through community, the most resourceful thing you can do. Because not only do you, like, damn, man. Chiller's market. That's purely community. Like, 
if us as a community can support each other, it makes more money for the community. And if within our community we are helping each other grow, it means more for the community. Because someone goes from a viewer, like a Tyson. Tyson went from a viewer. I was like, it's Tyson, though. Like, that is currently my favorite rapper. And you, like, come to the show because I'm part of his community. And when he was part of my community, we're like, let's blend communities. So having him on the show, that's just proof of community saying, yo, this is what we're doing. We are building with each other for each other. And if we see you doing great shit, you coming to the show. Some things, it's not that we're not seeing you also. It's probably at that time, the sequencing doesn't make sense for you. You get what mm. I'm saying? Because there is a level of intelligence and planning that comes with the show. What do you, you know, when you think about like the frequency of the publishing and, the, you know, we're basically just, it's just you and me in the studio most of the time and then guests. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of guests. The other day, someone asked me, how many cameramen do you guys have? I said, what? Because <laughs> I think that what happens is when someone sees the final product, they assume that, oh, there, have an there must be quite a, bu- a, a bunch guy. of people. Just like, oh, and, and also we have drone shots. Drone I shots. I ask those questions. There's all these things, right? And, and you're like, no, it's just, you know, I'm recording my podcast, you're recording your podcast. And mostly it's just you and me and then like a guest in the studio. But the final product doesn't look that way. So people assume, and maybe this speaks to that multidisciplinary, right? Like just being willing and able to not just create the stuff, but be able to cut it, be able to It's because we go to school for this shit. All these to tell you the truth, I know it might come off wrong to the next person, but go to school. Mm. Like I literally went to school to study film. So that's why the production quality can be maintained. That's why the visual identity can be maintained. That's why the CI can be maintained. Mm. It's very important. I did also go for visual. I studied visual art at some stage. It's important to tell the messaging. That's why there's, that's why the show looks like the Lucha logo. Mm. This show looks like all the branding that Lucha has. It's literally, we went black and white. We went raw. We went explicit. Mm. literally like what the company stands for and then our subtitles are always in the neon green because there is a CI that exists within the company so there's no point of creating new CI we can't go purple we can't Mm. go pink we're keeping to what the company is and by keeping to the company it's easier for you to also engage as a viewer because you can see there's a direction there is a tonality you'll find with most podcasts they're also always flipping venues the minute you flip venues not only am I introduced to a new guest I'm also introduced to a new venue I know how comfortable I am. It's like going to an event and then they change venue. Like, <laughs> I had a spot that I sit at. Like me and Tools, every time I see Tools at his mm. events, I'm like, see, move my spot. And mm. then I think two weeks back, he was like, oh, I see you found a new spot. I'm like, yes, but I don't like that. Mm. I have a spot. We, we creatures of habit. That's why you'll always see me on the left frame, on the right frame. That's important to the narrative because the minute there is a consistency in something, it's easier for you to also engage as a viewer. Mm. The minute we have the black and white, you're guaranteed, okay, you're going to see the guest on this side. Okay, that's guaranteed. The minute everything is similar except the guest, you're part of our community because you know how we dress. Mm. That's how we dress. And how important is that like consistency of not just the visuals, but visuals, audio, and just the experience of engaging with each episode? Because I do think that maybe that's also a massive part of the success of this, right? And the growth that's happening is because 
I know that, okay, Tuesday morning, there's going to be an Instagram first, and then I'll see a TikTok, like, later in the afternoon. But I know, okay, I'm going to know who's on the podcast by seeing, firstly, the, the Instagram. Yeah. I see the Instagram the real. first. I see the real first. After I see the real, I see the stories. And then I'll see, okay, a bunch of people start listening to it because you share it to the stories. And then I'll see a bunch of reels throughout the day or TikToks, right? Another one, just like one or two, right? This is funny. The backstory is funny. This goes back to my initial podcast, Morning Brew, A Winning Routine. Okay. You have to create a routine for your listeners. For your community. For our community. (laughs) Because this is what we've realized, like, oh, most people are going on at the time it drops. So let's drop it a bit earlier so that if you are on your way to work, you can go to, we can go with you to work. So when we create these patterns that in the morning, we're letting you know it's there. Not going to bombard you. It's going to start getting reshares midday. And then at night, just in case you forgot that you said you're going to check it out, we'll remind you. And just in case... You don't like that person who's being interviewed. We got another one coming soon. <laughs> on Thursday. That's the beauty of it. It's like... Oh, if you don't like Tuesday, Thursday. I got you on Thursday. <laughs> if you feel like that one was not for you, we got something that is for you. So even if you tune in for the first 10 minutes and you feel like... Mm. I got something for you coming. So mm. we're creating a routine for our community to say, yo, you can be here with us at all times. Yeah. We're not... Well, we are going to be here with you. Yes. Because there is a a journey that's happening on both ends, right? Like, there's the journey you're walking to create this. podcast is an insurance company. There's the assurance that we'll be there when you need us. (laughs) (laughs) I need people to understand that. And then we're coming through on Sundays as well. So, I've got a question for you, right? Oh, yeah. That's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be a fascinating test. Yes. Of things. We'll do it after episode 10. Just don't mention it, though. (laughs) We're going to do do, do, do. Shout out to Tyson. When you were a younger creator, because you're still young. I'm 23. Yeah, you're still young, right? When you were younger, and I literally mean this more in the journey of your, in your journey, mm-hmm. more than your age. When you were starting a YouTube channel, starting a podcast, figuring out what your career can be, the skills that you can have, what is the thing that you wish you knew then? that you know now because of the things that you've done so far, the work that you're doing right now and the things that you might even say you've achieved. What are those things, right? That you really needed to know and learn then that you know now. Oh, this is important. I have to face the camera, both cameras. (laughs) This is very important. That's fine. I never say things are important, but this one's important. You only got you. Mm. You only got you. You are your own army. If you can't edit, you learn how to edit. If you can't shoot, you learn how to shoot. If you don't have equipment, you buy equipment. I started shooting with the phone. Mm. You use your phone. Every resource you have, you have to exhaust it. Every little access you have to a resource, you exhaust it. You don't know if it's there tomorrow. You don't know if MASH is there tomorrow, but you got to have 10 episodes in the tuck. You Mm. always have 10 episodes in the tuck. And remember, once you start something, you can't stop it. Like the first t-shirt we ever released for Sneaker Coast is Don't Stop, Don't Fold. Purely just don't stop what you're doing, but don't don't now fall into the algorithm trap where you're like, but they were reacting to this. No, we're sticking to the mission. The goal is always there. The goal is indefinite. Like you can't, you can't cheat your vision. You dreamt this shit. Mm. You're not, don't do things for the sake of doing things. Do things that you dreamt of. If this thing bothers you within a week and you feel like I'm a designer, you're only a designer once you start doing. So you got to be a doer for anything to happen for you. You got to make it happen. You want to get free shoes. Okay, why must you get free shoes? The one thing that I've approached life 
my closest friends will say it's the most annoying thing I say. ROI. What's your return on investment? Mm. When I come to your platform, what's my return on investment? Oh, I get exposed to a bigger audience. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Mm. When you come to my platform, what's your return on investment? You are getting a bigger audience. You might think you're bigger, but you're not bigger in terms of community. Mm. The community of people who actually engage stuff, it's a very niche thing. People can have a million views. We see it with TikToks. You have a million views, you can't present it to brand. Why? You don't have a community. You don't know the story you're selling. It's a massive audience, though. It's but a, it's a very small community. It's very important to build a community. And if you don't have one, it's important to join a community because it will expose you to something else. It's going to say, oh, we watched you on the on, on Corner Jute and De Beer. So I started looking at your work and I was like, that shit is fly. You actually fly. Like I had a lot of people hit me up like, I know Terrence. And I'm like, Terrence is huge. Terrence is that guy. And then the minute they saw it, they're like, I'm seeing them repost Terrence more than me. I'm like, damn, I feel like a bad person to Terrence. And I guess it's, it's, it's full circle then because it goes back to Sneaker Coast, which is like a learning journey we're all going through together to learn not just about this thing we might love, but the people that have built and driven impact, but also how you can now start to use that education for yourself in some way. Mm. No, man. It's like, it's very, it's very, very important to understand that everything pops off community. One, right? And you need to create spaces for your community. With Sneak Coast, the first thing we did, first thing we did, Second episode, went to the printers, printed out stickers, and then I put it out there. If you see me, I owe you a sticker. Give you a sticker. To the next person, you're wasting money. To the third person, why would you do that? No one even knows you. But that builds community because now we all have something we can share. It's an inside joke, right? Three, what do we do? We do the, the live screening. When we do the live screening, you start understanding that, yo, we are seeing the people in real life. Like we are seeing, mm-hmm. like we'll do with this show. Eventually we'll have our shitting on the balcony, right? But with that, you could experience everyone who's been in the comments with you. You'd be like, oh, oh, that was your favorite episode. You're also getting real life feedback, mm-hmm. right? And then four, we start partnering with brands to empower our community. The money is mm-hmm. not for us. We'll do giveaways for our community because the whole point is to enrich the community. Because once someone in the community owns a venue, that means Sneaker Coast has a venue. Corner Jute and De Beer has a venue. Mm. Remember, like, each one teach one. So the more we share skills, the more we share experiences, it's easier for us to communicate. It's easier for us to grow. It's cheaper for us to navigate life. Because when Seth said, yo, this, this one, two, three didn't work out for me, when, I pro- when I'm approached with the same thing, I know what's about to happen. Mm. So even when I'm taking a bad deal, I'm like, I'm taking the bad deal because I know it's a bad deal. And I'm taking this bad deal because it had this perk. Everything in life has a pro and a con. It's so crazy to me how much more vulnerable most of your guests have been to lay themselves bare and say, look, man, I actually fucked up. Like, I had this deal, but this deal did not mean as much as you think it did. It looked like success to you, but it was actually a failure for me. Yeah. And even though it was an achievement... I might have lost more than I gained. And you learn just like how much more there is to this like creator thing where it's like, it's not just... The tears are crazy. Yo, there's that too. (laughs) There's that too. What do you hope to achieve? I've asked you this before and I asked you this for the intro of your podcast, right? I'm asking you this at episode 10. I'm going to ask you this. And this is the only time we'll ever do a podcast together. 
at episode 100, I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you hope to achieve? We need a textbook according to Judith Beer. Not a lie to you. This needs to be a syllabus. This needs to be something, some way, some form. This needs to be incorporated into real-time education. It might sound vain, but I'm the same kid. When I was in high school, I was learning about Latum. Latum, mm. I graduated when I was starting high school. So if I can learn about Latum, surely we can condense all this information and allow for the next generation for it to exist in school. If it's not high school, at least make it higher education. Call us for talks. Mm. Call us to share these experiences. Add us to the curriculum because this is basic education. This is stuff you need to know how to navigate life. We're always talking about no one's teaching us about taxes, but who's teaching us about our mental well-being and creating ourselves? Mm. Who's teaching us how to navigate conversation? Because most of us don't have those financial conversations with our parents. So also when we present it for opportunities, we're like, I should be grateful that I'm finally seeing because these are brands we aspire to work with. But in all reality, they're talking to you because you have something to offer. And because you have something to offer, there should be a price that you offer as well. Mm. We're not taking prices anymore. We're giving prices. We can negotiate prices because we're not terrorists. To access previous episodes of this podcast, but also gain access to other shows on our network, please visit lucha.com. I told you the story of how I learned about Mesh Startup. Can't put it on wax. Yo, please say this. Do you know who this is for? This is for the person that finishes the episode. Okay. And I want you to say it. How did you learn about my podcast? I learned about your podcast through my previous partner. Okay. So essentially, me and my partner, we're chilling because she likes music. I don't like music. I like podcasts. I'm a conversationalist. I love listening and I love talking. Mm. She plays it. We're chilling. It's like... Okay, cool. I'm playing my podcast, and then Coitus happens, and then mid Coitus it shuffles to the next podcast. <laughs> and then when you hear my startup, like, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, and then that ends, and then this starts. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> if you finish this episode, that was the nugget. That's for you. Thank you, Cindy Swissy. You're signing out.